Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. At every single Easter vigil, we have what we just read, the mighty acts of God. And if you notice, none of them were read from the New Testament. They were all from the Old Testament. And you can have up to nine. So if you thought five was a lot, we could have done way more. (laughs) But at every Easter vigil, you have to have one of them. You cannot get rid of the Exodus narrative. The Exodus narrative is read at every single Easter vigil. For as long as this has been going on, And the Easter Vigil has been going on since the, as far as we know, the earliest days of the church. But at every Easter Vigil, you have to read the chief event of deliverance of the Hebrew Bible. An event that forever after defined the identity of the people of God. The people of God were enslaved, they were oppressed, they were in bondage, and God delivered them. This is the paradigm of God's way with God's people. But according to the scripture and tradition, the Exodus is not some static event only in the past, something that we look back to as this event that God did one time, and it was so great. The scriptures present the Exodus as more than that. If you've ever been to a Passover Seder, maybe you've been to one with some of your Jewish friends this week, you'll notice that in their liturgy, the Haggadah, when they talk about being saved from from the Egyptians, from their oppressors. They never say they were saved, as in their ancestors. They say we were saved. The Exodus is made living and present every time a Seder feast occurs. In the book of Amos, hundreds of of years after the event of the Exodus. The prophet says this, Thus says the Lord, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. The prophet does not say, I brought your ancestors out, or I I brought them out. I brought you out. The Exodus is a living event. Not only Amos, but many of the other prophets, they point to the Exodus, that event in the past, as an ongoing event in the present. But not only the present, but also in the future. As we read the latter prophets, when the Old Testament scriptures no longer seem to say, do this and you will live, they start to see 
we've done this, we can't do this, and so we haven't lived. We need a deliverer from outside of us to deliver us. We need a new exodus, an exodus that will come hopefully in our lifetimes, but the prophets make it very clear it's going to happen in the future. Finally, from the very earliest times, Christians have understood the resurrection of Christ as a new exodus. The cross being a new Passover, the resurrection being a new exodus, a once and for all exodus. A deliverance not merely from the Egyptians, but from the powers of sin and death themselves. This is the paradigm of God's way with God's people. And it continues to be a living event for you and for me today. And I'm going to give you one instance of where the Exodus has been a living event in our own day. Maybe you're familiar with the pastor and politician Andrew Young. He wrote a spiritual autobiography called A Way Out of No Way. And in that book, he tells a story that is a new exodus, an exodus for us today. He writes, Easter Sunday, 1964, dawned with Martin Luther King in jail. We planned a march from New Pilgrim Baptist Church to the city jail for that afternoon. By the time church service ended, some 5,000 people had gathered dressed in their Sunday best. The marchers had set out in a festive mood. But suddenly they saw the police, fire engines, and firemen with hoses in front of them blocking their path. The infamous Bull Connor yelled, Turn this group around. And 5,000 people stopped in their tracks and waited for instructions. The people gathered that day then went on their knees as Andrew Young, having no idea what he was saying or no idea what to do, said, let's pray. And after praying for some time, another civil rights leader said, we're going to stand up now and we're going to march forward. And without missing a beat, all 5,000 got up and they marched. Young writes, stunned at first, Connor yelled, stop them, stop them. But none of the police moved a muscle. Even the police dogs that had been growling and straining at their leashes were now perfectly calm. Young says, I saw one fireman, tears in his eyes, just let the hose drop at his feet. Our people marched right between the red fire trucks singing, I want Jesus to walk with me. Bull Connor's policeman had refused to arrest us, Young writes. 
His firemen had refused to hose us, and his dogs had refused to bite us. It was quite a moment to witness. I'll never forget one old woman who became ecstatic when she marched through the barricades. As she marched through, she shouted, Great God Almighty done parted the Red Sea waters one more time. This is the paradigm of God's way with God's people. And this master story of the Old Testament, which gives us a lens to read the rest of the Old Testament and a lens by which to read our own lives, this master story becomes our individual stories. Maybe you've come to hear here tonight enslaved in one way or the other. Maybe you're enslaved to money or to alcohol or to porn. You name it. You feel like you're caught between the rock and a hard place and there's simply no way out. My friends, you and I serve the living God and the paradigm of God's way with God's people is that he makes a way where there is no way. He makes a way out of no way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.